If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! I can speak from personal experience. My first son, my first experience with breastfeeding, he was both tongue and lip tied. My second son was also tongue and lip tied. So we we did have some latch issues in the beginning, but once we got over that that latch issue, it definitely improved things and it made things a little easier. But again, it's not always easy. Welcome to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. I'm Carol Vassar, and that is Nemours Associate Lindsay Killian confessing that breastfeeding is not easy. It's a learning experience for moms and babies, especially the first time around. Lindsay's breastfeeding experience was a bit more complicated than usual. She'll explain tongue-tied and lip-tied a bit later. In fact, you may remember Lindsay, a Nemours new awards specialist based in Delaware, and her husband Tom, who were featured on the podcast in January of this year, describing the genetic disorder PKU, with which both Tom and the couple's older son TJ have been diagnosed. Here's Tom's description of the disorder from episode 124. PKU, or known as phenylketonuria, is a genetic liver disorder that your liver doesn't produce the enzymes to break down the amino acid phenylalanine that's in the food. And what happens is the phenylalanine travels to the blood-brain barrier and kind of gets stuck. The byproduct from that breakdown is tyrosine, which is helping out with like your serotonin and your dopamine and your brain to kind of make you feel calmer. So a lot of times there's some different behavioral health challenges that can come from this uh, disorder and focus issues, um, mood dysregulations. It could be depression. It could be anxiety. Other things too, it can lead to different learning disabilities. It can also lead to some different developmental disabilities. A lot of times it'll start to affect the IQ level as well. So when TJ was born five years ago, Lindsay and Tom were on alert for a possible PKU diagnosis. The couple had already decided that breastfeeding TJ was something they wanted to do. PKU would drastically change, though not derail, their breastfeeding plans. Here's Lindsay Killian. The first four days of TJ's life, we were nursing and then we got the phone call that he was diagnosed with PKU. So as a result, for TJ, I, after those first four days, I became an exclusive pumper for a year and 10 days. So I took my pump with me everywhere. I set my alarm for the middle of the night and because with TJ, with his condition, We have to measure all the fluids and everything he consumed. What he consumed was a combination of both pumped breast milk with all of its benefits and a PKU formula blend providing protein without the amino acid phenylalanine, or fee. So we would alternate it. Our decision was to alternate. So he would have a bottle of his PKU formula 
a bottle of breast milk, and then a bottle of PKU formula. So that's what we did. Um, some parents decide nowadays, a lot of parents, you can mix breast milk and PKU formula because with PKU formula, you do need water and breast milk is a significant portion of it is water. So some families are using breast milk as the water to mix up their PKU formula. However, we were in the mindset of, well, we don't want to, I was like, I don't want to waste my breast milk if he doesn't drink it all because sometimes he, he couldn't or wouldn't or just didn't drink all of his PKU formula and dates. And so breast milk is the liquid gold. So I was like, I don't want to waste the formula. I don't want to waste my breast milk. So let's keep it separate. And our clinic was okay with that. They said, if that's what you want to do, that's your choice. So there is a mental aspect to breastfeeding. Breastfeeding, they say, is natural, but it's, it's something that still needs to be taught. And not everyone gets off to the same same start. Like my first, my kiddos were both tongue and lip tied, meaning that if you, if you right now, if you were to stick your tongue out, you would probably be able to stick your tongue out pretty far if you're not lip tied or if you're not tongue tied. But for kiddos who are tongue tied, there's an extra piece of skin under the tongue that kind of restricts the tongue from going out far. And the same with the top with their lips. With my kiddos, they had upper lip tongue tied. So there's a piece of skin right where like, your two front teeth, if you go straight up on your gums, there's a piece of skin that was holding their their lip to their gum line. So as a result, they couldn't get a secured latch. With TJ, after we came home and I was like, he's just not latching. He's just not latching. And his first visit, he was still losing weight that first visit with the pediatrician. And that's when they were like, okay, you should probably go see a lactation consultant because it looks like he might be tongue-tied or lip-tied. And they can help with the latch. So we did that. We went down that route. He was treated for both tongue and lip tied procedures, got those taken care of. And then while he knew, while we were getting his tongue and lip tied reverse is whenever, you know, we got the diagnosis of PKU and I knew I would have to pump. But getting the tongue and lip tied reverse for TJ, even though he was going to be, I was going to be a, an exclusive pumper, it was something that I, we still wanted to take care of just because of or overall health moving forward for him. That was our decision we made as parents. And so when you pump, it's almost like a, it can be a mental struggle or a mental game with yourself. I've tried three different pumps in my pumping journeys between my two sons. And one of the pumps... I paid a lot of, I paid for that pump out of pocket actually. And I'm like, I wish it worked better because at first I was so excited for it. Cause it's one of the wearable pumps that you can kind of be hands-free. And I was like, this is going to change things for me. And it didn't, it just made me more like, Oh, why is this not working? Why am I only getting one ounce or I'm not getting any ounces. And it's hard as a mom to tell yourself, give yourself grace because your worth is more than the ounces that are coming out in those bottles because social media is an awesome tool at times because it can provide the support that a mom needs during her breastfeeding journey, but it also can be a real downer for her mental health 
because you see these moms who are these overproducers posting photos of pumping like 30 some ounces in 24 hours. You're like, how do you do that? And you look at your the amount that you're pumping, you're like, well, I'm not doing 30 some ounces for my kid. Am I doing enough for mine? So Lindsay, how do you get yourself into that mindset of, I'm going to pump right now and I'm going to be as successful at it as I can? So when you need to pump, at least for me, I realize the key is always to relax, to kind of be as comfortable as you as you can be. But that's easier said than done, I realize, because I know from my experience, I've pumped in public. I've pumped in public bathrooms, the car, various rooms, closets, a variety of places. And the key is to get as comfortable as you can and to try to not think about what you're doing. Think about the little kiddo that you're doing it for. Some people, I know they... They have like a baby blanket with them. Some moms, I know they put like baby socks over the bottle so they can't see how many ounces they're they're producing. So you got to find the trick that relaxes you the most. And I just found an interesting article that suggests meditating beforehand has shown positive impact on moms who are pumping. I have not tried that myself, but... To me, I can understand why it would work because you take your mind away from what's the stress and anxiety of what you're, what you are afraid you can't do. Because I think a lot of moms are afraid they can't pump or they can't produce enough. Your body's going to do what your body's made to do. It's going to make the milk. And I don't know if I can see this, but I, <laughs> I mean, if mom, if a mom needs to mixed formula for their baby and they can't breastfeed the entire the entire time it's okay whatever your body's able to do your body's able to do and it's the important is giving yourself the grace and not compare your body to another another mom's body because some mom's bodies are the overproducers they're going to be able to make 30 some ounces in a 24-hour period other moms they might make maybe a half an ounce Or maybe they'll get 10 ounces in the 24-hour period. And that's okay because every body is different. And that's what breastfeeding moms need to know is every body is different. And what your body can do is what your body can do. You are clearly passionate about breastfeeding. Despite the barriers, despite the tongue tie, the lip tie, the Mm -hmm. PKU, you persisted. Why? Well, I think it goes back to the fact of I knew it was good for my baby, my children. I knew it was good for them. I also knew it was good for me. I knew there's health benefits for both of us. Also, when TJ was diagnosed with PKU, I think that kind of contributed to a little bit of postpartum depression I, I might have had. I was never formally diagnosed because I was borderline, as they said. So I knew that this could maybe help prevent some of that for me with my second pregnancy. Another boy. Now 20 months old, Nicholas Killian's breastfeeding journey differs from that of his older brother. 
when Nick came along and we knew Nick wasn't PKU, I knew I was like, okay, I want to do this as long as I can for him because I know there's benefits for both of us. So for my second breastfeeding journey, I do a combination. I nurse on demand as what they, as they call it. So when Nicholas is around and he wants to nurse, we'll nurse. But during the, during the day when I'm away from him and he's in daycare, I am pumping. So we surpassed my initial goal of let's get through the first week. Let's get through the first three months, the six months, the year mark. And now we're past the 18 months. And now I'm kind of like, okay, well, we're at that point far enough in our journey that I know whatever I'm able to produce is enough for him. He can get nutrition from other sources and that's okay. And he's happy and thriving and it's good. And so we've done it and we did it and we're still doing it. And I would say that having a supportive circle around you, whether it's in your day-to-day life that you're in daily contact with, it's awesome. But if it if it's a support circle that you form online, there are some amazing breastfeeding community groups on on social media. Yes. They can set you up to feel like you're not doing enough. But there are some in there in the community that are just phenomenal. Groups that can provide vital support for however long breastfeeding continues and are there when the time comes for you and your child to end the breastfeeding journey. Breastfeeding is just one season in motherhood. And some seasons have storms, and some season, parts of seasons there's going to be sunshine and rainbows. It's just how a season flows. And when that season comes to an end, I will say that you need to be mentally prepared because I think a lot of moms and they think about the struggles of breastfeeding, whether it's pumping, whether it's nursing. Where am I going to pump? Where am I going to nurse? Can I do this in public? Do I have to go find a corner somewhere? Is there going to be an outlet to plug the pump in? Those are all questions moms ask themselves when they're breastfeeding. But when the season of breastfeeding is coming to an end, there's, then there's the question of, is this is this season over? Is our journey coming to an end? And that's a question that a mom has to be willing to answer. It's not a question that really can be made by someone else, even though sometimes there are medical reasons that a mom might have to stop immediately. But you got to be careful. You got to titrate down whenever you're breastfeeding or you're you're pumping because you don't want to have engorgement or any other complications that come when you just suddenly stop. But also the mental aspect of missing those nursing sessions, whether it be the nursing session that's the two o'clock in the morning or it's two o'clock in the afternoon. There is a mental aspect to deciding when to stop and how to stop. Even when you're pumping and you're nursing, you get that release of oxytocin and tocin that what they call the love hormone. It can, you know, it does help relax you. It makes you feel good. It creates that bond. And so whenever you would suddenly stop breastfeeding or pumping, you're not going to have that release of oxytocin. And so you could possibly experience, you know, mood swings, the depression, 
and it's it's possible. Some people do, some people don't. So you just got to be prepared to for that if that happens, and be able if you recognize it, it's okay to ask for help and to tell people that you know I feel sad because. I miss this. I miss that season. I miss the season of nursing. I miss the season of pumping. Even though some people hate that sound of the that the pump makes, but knowing that you were providing for your child, it's okay to miss that. It's okay to be sad that that season's gone. And if you get too sad, I mean, reach out to someone. Let someone know. It's important to note that choosing to breastfeed or formula feed is a very personal decision. There is no wrong answer. In fact, doing both, as in Lindsay's case with TJ, can be a choice too. For those who formula feed infants or who need formula due to a medical condition, see also PKU, 2022 has been a frustrating year. As Nicholas continues to thrive while nursing, attention in the Killian household has focused on the ongoing formula shortage here in the U.S., which affects both son TJ and husband Tom, who continue to require specialized PKU formula as an essential part of their daily nutrition. Here's Lindsay on how this shortage has affected her family and the greater PKU community. Wow. It makes me almost emotional thinking about this question because in the metabolic community, the formula is the staple, the cornerstone, the main focus of treatment. And you have to resort to calling insurance companies on a yearly basis, holding your breath, begging pleading and hoping that, first of all, you're going to get coverage because the metabolic formula is not something you can buy at Walmart. You can't buy it on Amazon. You you need a prescription to get this. And so once you get through that hurdle, and then you have to then deal with figuring out which medical supply company is going to have it in stock and also be in network with your insurance, it can consume a large part of your day, your energy, and then to be told, sorry, I don't know when this is coming. I don't know where to turn. Like I'm to the point where we have our cell phone number for our nutritionist and our at our PKU clinic. And I promised her, I said, I will never call you unless it's a dire emergency. That I did this week. I didn't call herself and I called her office and I said, I need help. I said, I don't know what to do. Like, we we tried samples of other vendors. TJ refuses. And the importance of the formula is so critical because that's where his majority of nutrition comes from. He's a limit to six grams of protein a day. So the options that he could consume to get all his other nutrition, his calcium, his iron. All those minerals and vitamins you get from your regular diet, he can't get from his diet. He needs it from his medical formula. Abbott is actually one of the main producers of the metabolic formula in the metabolic formula community. So when they shut down the plant in Michigan, it had a domino effect. I mean, they make the metabolic formulas in other facilities, but when that facility shut down, they brought everything to a grinding halt. So as a result, 
people who were on Abbott products had to find other products. And there's not a lot of metabolic formulas on the market. It's a relatively small market. So we need to take one of the main providers out of the equation. The other providers were left scrambling because they had this surge of folks trying to find a formula that one, their children would take because not all formulas are created or taste the same. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a struggle. And so in our PKU community, we, a lot of people on, on social media have resorted to, Hey, I have these samples. Some people are saying I have samples, they're expired or they're expiring soon. Does anyone want them? So there's been a lot of like freighting and swappings of sample packets between people via social media. That's amazing. Uh, you're just, yeah, that's a, a little discussed portion of, you know, this whole formula shortage. How have your son and your husband done in terms of just eating? Oh, well, this summer we tried to do a garden. <laughs> we tried. We gave, okay. We, we we're given the good old effort. However, it seems like the stink bugs and squirrels are enjoying themselves a lot more than we are <laughs> getting a lot more fruits of our labor. TJ actually has, it was in January, I think he started a experimental treatment, which hopefully we should know in the next few weeks or so if he's actually a responder, which will allow him to have a higher level of a protein limit. So this summer, we have TJ's go-to has been what he calls wings, which is actually just uh, either breaded cauliflower or breaded broccoli. And so that's been his staple <laughs> pretty much all summer long, which, you know, if that's what he's going to eat, I will by all means go for it, kiddo. Eat a head of broccoli. And how about your husband? I mean, uh, this is important for him to have a source of formula. The Abbott shutdown has certainly not done him any favors. Yeah, his his preferred formula is not an Abbott product, but he actually has not been drinking his formula. His clinic team knows that, but we actually have a month supply of his formula that he's been kind of not taking to kind of have a reserve for TJ because we know how to adjust the ratios that if TJ would be willing to drink Tom's formula, he can. So, so yeah, it's kind of a parent sacrificing themselves for the better of their kid is what we're doing really at this point. So let me ask this, has it loosened up a bit? Has things improved at all? I want to say yes, and I was really hopeful a couple of weeks ago because whenever we heard that the Abbott plant mission was opening up again, we were told that's going to, you know, give it another two weeks and the durable medical equipment companies that your insurances go through to get you your, our formula would then probably about two weeks have a supply or at least some back orders would be released. We were so excited. So we watched and we waited and we did get a shipment about two weeks after the plan had opened. However, the product we got was a product that TJ could not have. So we had to send it back. And we are still waiting to get a replacement for that shipment. And I just spoke to our DME company yesterday and they said, there's no deadline at this point as to when this product will become available. So... <laughs> 
we sit and we wait again. Lindsay Killian is a breastfeeding advocate, nursing mom, PKU wife and mom, and Namor's associate based in the Delaware region. Hear more about the Killian family's PKU journey by listening to episodes 124 and 125 of this podcast. We'll put the links for those in the show notes for this episode. Next week, we release on Labor Day, and it's no accident that we'll be talking about the Nemours mother and baby team on the Advanced Delivery Unit at NCH Delaware. We'll follow that up with the latest episodes in our occasional series on precision medicine here at Nemours, this time looking into the research and clinical advances being made in pharmacogenomics in both Delaware and Florida. Please subscribe to the Champions for Children podcast on your favorite podcast app, and you'll never miss an episode. Champions for Children is indeed available on the biggest and most popular podcast apps, along with Nemours Net, the Nemours Now app, and your favorite smart speaker. Our production team this week, Peter Adebi, Deborah Griffin, and Allison Kraft. Thanks to each of you for your support on this and all previous episodes of the podcast over the last three years. Next week, we welcome a new production support team, but I'll still be here looking for your podcast ideas. So send those along to podcast at Nemours.org. That's podcast at Nemours.org. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Turner's Falls, Massachusetts. On behalf of Lindsay Killian, I'm Carol Vassar, and we thank you for joining us on this edition of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. Until next time, please stay safe, stay well, and thank you for doing what you do for the children and families we serve. <laughs>